Welcome to the next installment of the SUS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications that are relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and as always, let's say hello and welcome to our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Hello, Patrick. Well, it's kind of good to be back on the show after our week's vacation. I hope you spent yours well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I was trying to launch the drone TV thing, and uh, I don't know if people caught that, but the uh, we, we kind of launched that with uh, <clears throat> the Maha Picks uh, civilian drone movie, which um, it's, I think last today we've got about 1,500 uh, views on that hour-long documentary with a, a, a cast of uh, people that we we know on this program, uh, a lot of good feedback on that movie. I know you've been hearing some feedback too. Yes. And yes, anything indeed. you'd like to share? Well, you know, the international community has really reached out. I will give them that much. Um, and and I think again, it's it's you know like most of the pew polls have said that uh, search and rescue is one of the more acceptable uses for unmanned aircraft, and and you know the the documentary speaks directly to that. So we expected that we would get that, but um, I have been getting a lot of encouragement from the community out there to, to continue on and to, to continue doing what we've been doing, and, and we plan on doing that. So uh, it, that's been great. I, I can't complain at all. Um, you know, there's been a couple of folks that, uh, you know, have said, you know, you really need to look what you're doing, but you know what? We really do look at what we're doing very closely, and, and that's the key thing. Oh, I, I know. I know. You've been at it for a while. Um, I will say, you know, that uh, it evoked a lot of emotion. The uh, the program watched it again. I <clears throat> I really enjoyed it. I've heard feedback that it's uh, making it uh, to all five sides of the Pentagon and through the <laughs> FAA. Nobody, uh, <clears throat> no feedback as of yet from the uh, UASIO. Um, and I've, I've been waiting for... <laughs> Someone to say something, but nothing yet. So we'll see what happens. But uh, that's uh, great news. For her. Congratulations to to Maha and Gus on that one. Um, I think that they're they're showing it in a positive light. Lots of good feedback. Um, so yeah, that was good. So the drone TV, it's still a little wheels off on that one too. I was kind of hoping to, to 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 do a little bit more, but we'll we'll work on that. We've got multiple projects in the works, and that's one of them. Uh, the other one, I don't know if you saw my my article today that was uh, it was published actually on first on RoboHub, but uh, down on the farm with drones. Did you check that out, Gene? You know, yeah, I did, and and I really appreciate that the industry is kind of you know trying to make this shift into you know the more positive uses. I really do appreciate that. But boy, I tell you what, that, the kill chain is still kind of hurting us on that end. There's still been uh, a lot of media attention on on the weaponization of these things and boy i sure wish we could get off of that but uh it, it tends to make a good story and uh unfortunately that's the way it goes but yeah the the the, the farming issue is going to be big and uh, i think it's going to be a wonderful place for unmanned aircraft to be uh, i i agree yeah we just can't get away from that that's uh that's, that's in the news but you know again it's like i say it was really uh nothing of us in the industry can do to change current presidential administrative federal policy you know we're just we don't have that kind of pull if we did boy howdy we'd be all over that nest like stink on a monkey (laughs) 
<laughs> working this thing uh, like it was going out of style. So we don't. But uh, anyway, you know, what do we can? What else could you say on that one? Anything else in the news catch your catch your attention this week? Well, uh, again, uh, the UA side of it, we're we're starting to see more and more robotics involvement, and uh, I'm encouraged by that because really these things are robots, and and we are just kind of you know directing them. And, and I like the fact that some pretty serious players in the robot, robotics end of it, especially in space exploration, which I know you're interested in, uh, have gotten into it. And I think we'll start seeing a lot more articles about uh, things like the, the, the self-driving cars and the, the ability to do so, which Jap- Japan has already got some of those, by the way. And uh, I think we'll start seeing that very soon here as well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the automation thing is cool. That was cool, too. I went to Robo Business last week. Uh, got to talk to a lot of people, some, some different people that are in uh, into robotics. There's so much crossover. It's great. And uh, hopefully we're going to draw more of those people in. Another thing to be looking forward to um, as a little preview, the Silicon Valley chapter of AUBSI, my chapter, we're going, uh, we're getting plugged in. We're going cyber. We're going to have our, our first cyber chapter meeting uh, that we're going to broadcast live over the Internet like we did at the uh, USUS Small Unmanned Systems Business Expo. Got to keep the acronym straight. Um, and we're going to do that November 14th at 6 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be at Trimble. We're going to see their new UX-5 uh, small unmanned aircraft system. Uh, we're also going to hear from another member who's trying to put a group together to do some animal conservation uh, contest. It ought to be pretty good, and you can listen wherever you are or watch wherever you are in the world if you want to kind of be one of our Cyber Chapter members. So those are kind of things in the news for last week and upcoming. Uh, but today's program is, um, we, I did title it, that uh, uh, we, we get to hear from the Black Sheep, and today's guests are Brendan Shulman and Raphael Perker, Perker, sorry, I massacred your name, Raphael. Um, And uh, we're going to have them on, and we're going to kind of talk about what's going on with them. And I I think I'd kind of like to start with Brandon. Uh, Could you please introduce yourself uh, to the audience? Give us a little bio and, um, you know, how you kind of got involved with, I guess, UAs and uh, where you're at now. Sure, and, and thank you, Patrick and Gene, for having me on the show. Uh, so I, I'm Brendan Schulman at the firm of Kramer Levin in New York City. I practice commercial litigation with focus on legal issues that relate to new and emerging technologies, whether it's uh, computer forensics, electronic discovery, or, or more recently unmanned aircraft systems. Uh, and with respect to the, the case that I think you want us to talk about, I first became involved in that when Raphael uh, reached out, I, I think it was on Facebook, and indicated that he was having some legal trouble with the FAA. Um, so although I've been following issues relating to RC and unmanned aircraft uh, law for quite some time uh, as a hobbyist, um, this is sort of the first time that uh, there was a, an actual case pending. Well, okay, and uh, the next, our, our next guest, uh, Raphael Perker here, is, is better known as uh, Trappy. And, uh, you know, we actually got to meet it, uh, at the Dark Conference in New York, and uh, you don't have horns or a nose ring <laughs> like, the, uh, like the little black sheep does. But, uh, Raphael, could you please do the same, sir, for the invi- uh, audience? 
Yeah, hi, hi my name is Raphael. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I fly SUVs predominantly, and only recently we've been turning this into a business, and we're developing quadcopters and small flying wings. Uh, really for the hobbyist sector without much focus on, on automation or robotics. But, uh, yeah, we, we just try to have fun. And I think the the, the popularity uh, or, or probably why I'm on the show is because we travel a lot and we bring along the UAVs and, and try to show different places around the world from, from a different perspective. Well, and saying that too, the uh, just uh, for the listeners out there, for the benefit of the listeners, uh, qual call or call quality is a little uh, lacking today. But uh, uh, Raphael was kind enough to call in from uh, you're in Hong Kong, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just have to, to make do. Um, yeah, well, you know, I know I, I would say that a lot of people have seen your videos, and they're they're pretty outstanding. Um, I, I've, I've watched some of them and some, you know, some folks are, uh, it's, it's a little polarizing within the community, but, uh, for by, by and large, uh, you're, you're definitely, uh, you know, breaking new ground with the videos that you make. But, uh, how, how'd you, how did you kind of get into the FPV thing? Um, I actually started this pretty early. Um, the Dennis, he called from, from Canada, uh, he's known on RC groups as VR flyer. Uh, he was, uh, as far as I know, he was pretty much one of the first um, people to actually make it into the news uh, in terms of FPV, where he did a flight over a, a golf course. Um, so I saw that, and, you know, coming from the RC hobby, I've, I've been flying RC since I'm six years old. Um, there's p- pictures of me um, <laughs> floating around the Internet, uh, crashing small planes. Um, you know, so I, I immediately wanted to get into this. I wanted to try it. And uh, we've been experimenting with this. I, I, I got to know a couple of friends nearby who were also into this hobby. And we just progressed that way and, and started pushing limits, starting pushing range. Uh, and then we got into the mountain flying. Uh, and then uh, later on went to travel outside our country. Yeah, I've, I've noticed you, you kind of make the rounds. You get uh, videos from all around the world. It's pretty cool, you know, different uh, perspective on, um, I guess, the, the planet, you know. Um, so, uh, and let me let me ask you, I mean, you give us a little bar, uh, bio there, Brandon, but uh, do you fly remote control? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I've been flying RC planes for 20 years, so I'm very familiar with the technology. Um, I've got, I guess I have a garage full of maybe a dozen planes or so, uh, an assortment of nitro-powered sport planes, and, and more recently the, the smaller electrical, electric-powered planes. And over the past uh, two years or so, I've gotten into FPV. Uh, first did that on a fixed-wing foamy plane, but more recently uh, on quadcopters. So you too, you got the, because that's funny, because people, uh, I get that question, how many drones do you own? And I'm like, I got a whole basement full of them. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that in the garage. <laughs> it's funny how they, they kind of multiply. So that's, that's cool. So you have, uh, you have a background. You've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, uh, you fly, are you a cub or a club flyer? Or are you more of a, now with the electric, you're kind of out doing your own thing? or? No, I, I, uh, I've been an AMA member for really as long as I've been flying, and I, I mostly fly at an AMA field. You know, once in a while with a park flyer, I'll go to an empty park. 
Right. I that's I kind of like the electric stuff for that myself. You can break away, not have to go too far and fly around. Gene, did you did you want to jump in here? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I'll say about uh, Raphael's, I've been watching Raphael's progression. I know VR Flyer, too. He's been around for a long time. And, and one of the things that I always thought about you, Raphael, is that a tourist industry person needs to get a hold of you because you have been to some of the coolest places and you've done some of the neatest flying in some of the most bizarre places that I've ever seen. And I always admired you for that. I thought that was pretty cool. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, it's quite funny. Um, we we, we kind of get away with certain stuff because the video shows the places in in in, in a great perspective. <laughs> well, that is it. Really is does. Thing. Yeah, with this technology, is that <clears throat> that low level uh, view? I think is something that the mind can really understand. <clears throat> it's definitely a, a perspective that uh, I enjoy, but um, you. Gene's right on the target with that. You've been to some pretty exotic spots. Um, so <clears throat> both you guys are uh, kind of hobby flyer guys. You got into this. You're, you're enjoying it like much of the rest of us. I mean, I, I was a hobby guy, um, and I kind of got into it. I started doing it as a business because, uh, you know, I was like, hey, you got a little hobby here. I'm into the photography. I'm into the RC flying, and I got into a business. That's all history, but, um, you know, that's interesting. <clears throat> so... And I, I guess you know mainly we uh, we do want to we do want to touch a little bit on um, let's say the the current situation that you guys are find yourselves in. And first, I'd like to ask Raphael. Uh, you know, I know that even when we met at the dark thing in New York, I was kind of asking you, you know, how how what what's the feedback from the community uh, about the situation that you find yourself in now. Uh, well, we managed to uh, really polarize uh, um, the community. There, there's one side which says, you know, what you're doing is uh, dangerous, uh, and, and there's the other side that, that says, you know, a, a foamy isn't going to hurt anyone, or a small quad copter isn't going to hurt anyone, and, and, and you seem to know what you're doing, and, and, and the images are really cool. So um, in regards to this case, actually, it, it, it's been pretty much identical. You know, there, there's people... Um, uh, who, in my mind, um, already opposed what we were doing before, and they said, "Yeah, you know, you had it coming." Um, and, and on the other hand, there's uh, uh, our, our fans or, or our supporters who said, "Well, you know, that maybe the FAA is overreaching a bit." Um, so yeah, that's pretty much the feedback I've been getting. Yeah, so it, it's pretty evenly uh, mixed, then positive, negative, or more positive. Uh, it's certainly more positive, but uh, the negative people tend to post more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, yeah, I, I have noticed that. I mean, and everybody can have their own feelings on it. Um, I do think that um, one of the feelings that uh, I think, even even as it is kind of polarizing, I, I think there there is kind of, I don't, I don't want to say sympathy, but I, I think that people can kind of uh, empathize with both sides of the argument. Um, however, I think overall, uh, it's a situation where, I mean, I mean even myself, I mean, I, I kind of feel that uh, we may have some overreach by the regulator. And that's just kind of my opinion. But uh, you are right. And then people I talk to about the case, too, they, they have their, their feelings on it. But by and large, I think at the end of the day, they kind of see you as the, uh, the undersheep 
if you will, of, uh, of this argument. And uh, Brandon, would you, any, anything you'd like to add from, let's say, your perspective and community type of, uh, of feedback and thinking? Yeah, I, I actually have gotten a, a really positive response for, from most people, if not almost everyone, who, who's either reached out directly to me in an email or a posting on a forum. Um, I, I think there's tremendous interest from a variety of people in getting clarity on the legal framework, and, and a lot of people have been scratching their heads for six years or, or more about, you know, just what is the FAA's position? Is it really illegal? What's the basis for for saying it's illegal? What what are my risks if I go and do it anyway? And, and I think that there is appreciation for the fact that we are, uh, you know, making the FAA really put its legal position in writing in a way that it really hasn't done before. So uh, I've experienced uh, really a lot of support for what we're doing. Excellent, excellent. And I, I had kind of figured that. I, I do think that um, uh, one thing that uh, has been missing for years is clarity. And the other thing that's kind of been missing is, uh, let's say, I don't want to call it a situation, but I guess something to focus on to discern that clarity and, and that kind of, uh, all comes together, culminates here with uh, with with Raphael, I guess, kind of first. Um, and I, I do want to, you know, kind of talk about things. I don't really want to get too much into the case per se, like specifics. And I'd kind of like to to kind of go around that. Um, but you know, without and again, if if there's something here that uh, you don't really want to get into, Brandon, let me know. But what, what do you think of the, the impressions about the FAA's policy construct? I mean, I've gone on record before to say that I thought the policy clarica- clarification of February 13, 2007 was more of a, an edict. Um, and, and really not, the, the T's weren't crossed, the I's were not dotted on, uh, let's say, like following the Administrative Procedures Act. Care to comment on any of that, feelings, impressions? Sure. Let me, let me just uh, uh, articulate the disclaimer that I'm, I'm not here to provide legal advice, and, and these are sure. only my own my own views. Um, but with that proviso, yeah, as we explained in our motion to dismiss, that two, 2007 policy statement it was really the first time the FAA had ever distinguished between a recreational use of a model aircraft and the business use of a model aircraft. For decades before that, I think as everyone on the call knows. Uh, there had been no regulations. There was only advisory guidelines for how, how you might be suggested to operate a radio control uh, model aircraft. And, and, in fact, the FAA had been very hands-off, even in rare situations where people had gotten hurt or even killed. Thankfully, those are rare situations. It was just not an FAA issue, and I, I think that changed in 2007. They, for the first time ever, distinguished between recreational use and what they call uh, business use. Uh, and I think that, you know, w- whether that's the future or not, I-, I-, I can't say, but at least legally speaking, federal agencies create new regulations and they, and they change the existing ones by undertaking a notice and comment process. That's what's required by the Administrative Procedures Act that you refer to. And the FAA simply hasn't done that. In fact, they've been promising to do that for a long time to, to reveal the NPRM 
the notice of proposed rulemaking and, and to tell us what, what the future will look like in terms of unmanned aircraft systems. Uh, instead, in 2007, they issued a policy statement, and I think they followed up on that with a number of cease and desist letters, and, and now for the first time ever they're seeking a proposed fine on the basis that they object to how Raphael was flying. And I think, you know, what's important in terms of, you know, impression, your question about impressions and feelings, I, this is not just a technicality or trivia. I, I do believe this is a function of how democracy works at the agency level. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the public is supposed to have notice of what rules apply and also in terms of regulation an opportunity to comment. You know, the constituencies that will be impacted by any proposed regulations are really wide-ranging, and, and of course, in 2007, none of them were consulted. Some of them didn't even exist, uh, and instead, the, the sort of the cease and desist and uh, strategy and, and the message that this is simply not allowed, I think, has been counterproductive, and I think has been disheartening to a lot of people. Well, I would concur with the notion that, um, you know, people talk about democracy and sometimes, you know, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. But I, I totally agree with you. I mean, we're a nation of laws and procedures and, you know, you do things a certain way. It's kind of this d democratic process or, you know, might as well just have a king back here making the edicts. And, and I totally believe, like you do, that uh, you got to follow those rules or, you know, are we changing the system of government? So I think that uh, I, I agree with that and I, and I, I sympathize with that. Uh, Gene, any comments on, on that commentary? You know, the, one of the things that I've encountered personally, and you know as well as anybody on the call probably, except for maybe uh, Raphael, that I've had quite a few discussions with folks directly in that office, and I honestly believe that there is a lot of emotions involved in this. I, I think that uh, uh, there have been many edicts, if you will, passed down and given directly to me that were based upon emotion that I were uncalled for, and and to even go so far as to determine, you know, whether you're quite qualified based on intent. Um, I don't know the legal ramifications. I guess if you intend to murder someone, that's a, that's one story. But you know, if you actually pull it off, it's another. And, but uh, you know, we're not doing anything as severe as that. But that the intent portion of it is what always got to me because I've been told not to fly on a number of occasions on on search missions, and when I've asked you know, what if I go ahead and do that anyway? And all the answer I get is, oh, you really don't want to do that. Well, okay. It sounds like you're really going to do something terrible to me, but what is it going to be? And they just say, well, you really don't want to do that. Okay. Well, it so, yeah, I, I've... I've Sorry, go ahead. I, I can I, I can just I completely concur with what uh, what what Brennan is is saying and and what we've talked about on intent. Well, you know, and the other thing I wanted to you know some of the other things that had come out of the uh, the office there we'll just call it for uh, you know uh, conversation sake um, you know some of the things again you know I've brought that up they talk about com commercial and say oh well you know when you exchange one dollar that's a commercial flight and I brought that up about uh, LSA you know well I mean people are getting money to train people to fly 
uh, LSA. I mean, is that commercial? Because that's the same definition. Or other definitions like uh, what navigable airspace is. I don't think that like in front of my house down the street here is navigable airspace. But I can never get any solid answers. And and even, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the civilian drone movie, but I've, I've also tried to pin the FAA down on their... Um, uh, on the on the policy clarification of February 13th of 2007, and I actually had like all of the FAA lawyers on a call. We talked about it, and I had asked them what process was used to come up with the the uh, edict, and uh, you know if the, how how they got to that because they don't have an administrative procedures manual and what the mechanics were and what the mechanics of all of these kind of statements and edicts and. And uh, changes as the wind kind of blows, uh, let's say, guidance coming out of the office. Have, Brandon, have you noticed that there's, there's some things coming out of the there that uh, don't make any sense or need clarification? Well, I, I think the whole policy needs clarification through, through you know, the appropriate rulemaking procedure. But, yeah, I, and I think the piecemeal process or approach ha, has really led to a lot of confusion. So, for example, in the 2007 policy statement, they refer to business purpose. But as far as I know, business purpose isn't defined anywhere. And if you talk to one person at the FAA, they'll tell you, oh, that's what they're talking about is commercial. So the, the, the analogy, if you will, is to having a commercial pilot's license and, and a certified airplane for commercial use and everything that goes with that. If you talk to somebody else, you might you might here that business is broader than just that, just the definition of, of a commercial use of an aircraft, and it could cover things like a nonprofit using it in a humanitarian mission, even if it's even if it's not for money or profit, it's for some other purpose. So I think the the, the vagueness and the ambiguity that exists, as well as the, the conflicting answers that you get when you try to reach someone to get guidance, has really led to a lot of confusion. I would concur with that. You know, people talk about a gray area. And, you know, us being uh, part, me, Gene, and myself, we're part of the RCAPA thing. We were, we were part of this, uh, we've been part of this effort, let's say, for common sense regulation prior to the 2007 thing. And, uh, you know, we had a, we had a lot of questions. Uh, we kind of, we, we were trying to work within the system kind of had to follow the party line, let's say, not that we agreed with it. Um, but, uh, you know, if we're going to interface with these people, we, we kind of got to go with the program. Uh, however, trying to do that has been very frustrating in that it's almost like a whack-a-mole type of thing. If you ask one question, one person's got one answer. Then that person leaves, a new person comes in, and they've got a different answer. Oh, well, this is my interpretation for that. Well, this guy changed jobs. Now I've got an interpretation for this. And I think Gene could probably uh, speak to this even more than I can because you have more, uh, let's say, interaction with them on permissions. We have been through the revolving door of personnel since 2007. Uh, I think everyone is, is aware of that. It, it appears as though the office is essentially an off-ramp into the private sector because as soon as they uh, – as soon as you get one group of them trained up, it just seems like they, they transfer out and you have to start all over again. Uh, and, and it's been very frustrating in the past. And uh, I think what they've done is they're, they're trying to spoon feed us a little bit. I'm, uh, Brendan, I'm sure you've seen the, um, uh, the new N8900.227 that came out in July. Yeah. Uh, 
And uh, it appears to me as though they're trying to prime us that, you know, if you can't meet military specs, then you're not going to fly. Uh, I, I think this is onerous, and I think it's uh, it's something that, that we're going to have to probably be vigilant and uh, make sure that, that folks like Raphael and myself and, and uh, other folks who are out there that are doing this, you know, uh, on a shoestring or, you know, on a hobbyist basis, don't get caught up in this because I, I think it's a very real possibility. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, to be uh, for for the benefit of the, of the audience there, I mean, a lot of the these things coming out that that look like mil spec. I mean, that's that's basically who's been at the forefront of the integration effort. Is you have the DoD vendors that are there. They already have you know uh, programs that have manuals and procedures and all the rest of that and their own certifications and their own factory certified uh, training and all the rest of that. Um, and that, as we have seen with the, the limited type certifications, is, is rubber stamping these programs. And we can get down to the semantics of people. Well, they're not programs unless they're programs of record, but I'm, I'm talking about anything that was funded through the government for the military or DHS or whatever else. A lot of us don't have that, that benefit, one, or the proliferation in, in systems that those other people have. So... I, I do think that uh, that's where that stems from, and I do think it's onerous, and I've, I've kind of uh, groused about that for the last several years, and that was one of the reasons that I left the ASTM F-38. Another reason I left the RTCA SC-203, which is now 238 or whatever. The names and acronyms get changed uh, and numbers and whatever every so often, and I think that that's kind of a smokescreen for not getting anything done. But anyway, I digress. Um, I think the clarity that comes out of this, no matter what, no matter what the outcome of this is, I think that any any clarity that you guys can can kind of peel back the layers of the onion and we can see something is going to be great. E- either way, and agree, uh, disagree. Anybody want to jump in on that one? Not all at once. <laughs> well. <laughs> Well, I, I was going to ask Raphael if he if he has some perspective, uh, you know, internationally, since he he I think is is at least somewhat familiar with approaches taken in other countries, whether there's been an outright ban or or a more reasonable approach, and how how that might compare to what we're seeing here. Yeah, I mean, we we've been flying in a lot of countries, and, and we just recently published a, a video in Singapore, and, and we got contacted by their aviation authority, and and they certainly have. Uh, you know, a, 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 a bit more um, insight into what we were doing. Um, and on the other hand, um, I'm, I'm, I actually moved out of Austria because they they put um, a 500 meter limit on on anything that flies and, and up beyond city limits and basically banned us into the woods. So you know, I'm I'm not really keen on paying taxes in a country that, that kind of bans my business. Um, <laughs> And in, in, in the other hand, uh, as, as Switzerland, we, we, we've talked with their aviation authority, and, and they seem to uh, lean on, on whatever the FAA is doing. However, they have uh, very clear rules in place, and, and they're also a little bit um, better on enforcing them. Um, so, you know, for, for, for this case in particular, um, I, I think any, any kind of... Um, yeah, like it's been said, clarity um, as to you know what is going to be uh, inbound um, 
is, is a tremendous benefit, not just um, nationally to the U.S., but I think also internationally because uh, the FAA is, is, is huge and, and, and aviation authorities all over the world are, are you know, at, at least looking at, into what they are doing um, and, and, and kind of basing their local policies or, or maybe uh, changing their local policies based on, on, on what the FAA publishes. So the, the hopes are really there that that uh, we can turn this around somehow and, and uh, uh, you know, get, get, get some sort of um, rules in place that, that, that help us uh, or help, help the business side of, of, of what we're doing um, do, do this legally. And, Raphael, you kind of hit on some good points because, you know, <clears throat> a lot of people do look to the FAA and have looked to the FAA for kind of to, to lead and uh, the FAA in this case is definitely leading from behind as we see that uh, there are uh, several European countries where you can do this legally. If you even want to start a business, you can go out and you can do it legally. You know, there's a, uh, a path to legally doing this, uh, which we don't really have here in this country. Now, I have seen on some uh, of the boards, and I'm out there all the time, uh, out there, and and. And this is kind of this is a funny one because we kind of got hit with this one too. But I want to ask you: some folks are suggesting that there might uh, this this case might be kind of just poking the bear, and and maybe make things worse from the community, and that you know there could be some blowback where the where the FAA is going to haphazardly throw some regulation at the wall and hope it sticks. Have you heard anything like that? Yeah, I well, not. Uh, sorry, was that to me or? Oh, sorry, oh well, go, go ahead. ahead yeah, go ahead, Brandon. Well, I, I certainly haven't heard anything credible like that. I mean, I and I believe the FAA knows that it's tasked with issuing regulations that are sensible and, and balancing all the interests, and not just responding to uh, a single incident. Where, by the way, as you know, there, there was no injury or property damage. So right. I and, and of course the the proposed rules, whatever they they are, are going to be subject to pub, public notice and comment. So um, you know, I think that. You know, with that in mind, what will we see coming out of the FAA in the future ought to be um, reasonable and, and allow for uh, commercial uses. I, I don't think it's in their interest or really anyone in the country's interest to be overly restrictive about new technology, especially here where so, so much of the new technology involves low-level flight and very lightweight devices. Um, and also, I, I, I'm not sure that it's really possible with respect to, you know, are they going to now rush something out the door and, and see if it sticks. I, I don't think federal agencies work that way. There's actually a really good example from um, a while back that really uh, shows you. It, so in 1987, Congress had, had passed a, a statute requiring both the Department of the Interior and the FAA to come up with new regulations that were uh, supposed to restore, I think the phrase was, natural quiet of the Grand Canyon. Uh, which had been disrupted by, you know, aviation and air traffic, and Congress thought, you know, this this is easy. We'll we'll give them 120 days to do it, and it actually took them 10 years to issue the rule, and the rule had a 10-year phase-in period. So it took 20 took 20 years for the FAA to do something very narrow and specific that people thought could be done in a matter of a few months. If that's what we're dealing with uh, in terms of a timeline here, then I, I really fear that our country is going to completely miss out on this unmanned aircraft revolution. And many people share that, uh, 
share that view about the technology. Uh, and I just, I threw that out there because it is kind of funny. And <clears throat> we had heard that before, you know, Gene and I and the other members of RCAP, oh, you know, if you, if you even talk to the FAA, you're going to be poking the bear and they're going to come up with something draconian and, and, you know, we'll never be able to do this again. And, you know, uh, that was... <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think agencies are 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 deliberative and and they move very slowly. We, we've seen that already, and I I would be very surprised if if anything we do in in defending against a, a ten thousand dollar fine would would have the impact of of really changing anything they're planning to do. Well, well I would agree. Brent, and go ahead, Gene. The only thing I got to say to that is they're slow, and then they're glacial. So which which period are we in? <laughs> exactly. Hey, is that a dinosaur? No. I um I do think it uh, you know, it is going to take them time. But, you know, if for some reason, cuz I used to say this too, if I had that kind of, you know, impact and influence where I could affect uh federal policy and like, you know, this the speed of light type of scenario that people are talking about, <clears throat> I think you got a bright future ahead of you. Uh, there's lots of federal regulation that needs, you know, let's say some urging along, Brandon, and you might have found the connection to make that happen. So, well, know. I think that the case does have the, the benefit. You know, people are talking about it, at least in certain circles. And, and I think to the extent that there are people in this country who care about economic development and creating jobs and, and exploiting technology for beneficial uses, both economic and humanitarian, and who want Americans in particular to be part of of the new age of aviation. I think, you know, the case is getting people talking. Now, whether that has any actual impact on on regulatory or agency rulemaking, I I don't know, but I think it is an important discussion for us all to have. We we are really far behind where, where this is in Australia, Europe, Canada, and I think it's a problem. I, I would agree with that, and I do uh, I do concur with you that this conversation, this this instance has started a dialogue and uh, you know that dialogue is all around the country and it is in dc and it's in the different uh let's say federal branches and people are talking about it and there are people who are waiting to see uh how this unfolds and what transpires and uh <clears throat> i know i am you know i i i kind of i can't wait to see when it gets done now <clears throat> i know we had a shutdown in the government, in the federal government, there was a little shutdown. And it didn't really affect me at all. I didn't really have any, uh, there were no ramifications for me. But I would assume that there were some ramifications for you guys. Well, yeah, there, 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 there's a slight delay. So the, the time that they weren't working, they, they've been, the FAA has been granted an extension to respond to our motion to dismiss, which corresponds to the, the time that they weren't at work. So it's a, it's a small it's really a small impact. So have you have you uh, heard when when uh, when you're going to have your day or when when Raphael's going to have his day? Well, if you're referring to the decision, that there, there's no specific deadline or date for that, but we we do expect to hear, to, well, really to see an, a written opposition from the FAA in, in probably the next uh, week to ten days. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, we'll all be waiting for that. Uh, and Raphael, I, I kind of cut you off there um, a little ways back when we were talking about uh, some of the, the regulatory side of that. Was there anything else that you wanted to add, sir? Uh, no, I think Brendan put it quite nicely. 
He did. He put a nice little bow on that. Um, well, I, I, I do think that, um, you know, we're all waiting for this to kind of come out and see what, uh, what shakes out of this. Uh, in any event, uh, Raphael, what, what are your plans for the future? Um, well, we're, we're developing a lot of new stuff. Uh, that's pretty much on my timeline at the moment. I hope I can get some flying done uh, here in Asia. China is wonderful. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, not, not much else. So we should be looking for um, some videos to be posted from Asia then, I, I figure is what you're, what you're kind of saying. Uh, well, we, we, I, I've been in Europe now. I did the two-week vacation uh, and, and New York. Um, so, there's certainly going to be a, vi- a video about that, um, but also certainly about Asia, yeah. Well, that's good. I look forward to uh, seeing those and, uh, you know, seeing what you guys come up with in the future. It seems like you're really kind of uh, nailing down the FPV thing, and um, I know that that's very popular. There's a lot of guys that do that, um, and I think that that will, will grow uh, in the future. Um, uh, Brandon, you know, uh, any, any plans for you or you just, um, you, well, uh, well, where are you yeah, going from here? We'll, we'll continue to defend the case, uh, you know, as, as needed and, and we'll see where, where it goes next. Uh, I think it has generated some interest and it's gotten people to think about their legal rights in other contexts. And I, I can't speak to any potentially confidential, work that I'm, uh, you know, maybe dealing with, but I, I, I think there's more to come. Excellent, excellent. Well, you know, the, uh, the conversation was definitely uh, lively and enlightening, and uh, I'm glad that we had an opportunity to have you, both of you gentlemen on here. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of interest in the community, and I, I hope that uh, this deal all works out and that we can talk more about it in the future. Uh, but before we go, I want to I give uh, everyone an opportunity to, uh, you know, have a closing statement. And I, I think we'll uh, – maybe we'll go with Gene. Gene, did you, did you have something you wanted to, to say in closing? Well, I am keenly interested in this process, very, very keenly interested in it. And, uh, you know, this is going to pave the way for a lot of things. And uh, we've got to all be prepared to, you know, stand up when it comes time to stand up. And, uh, you know, this is going to happen in our backyard. So everybody out there that's listening, be prepared. We are going to need your support. We need to keep moving forward with this and keep in tune. I would concur with that. Raphael, anything in closing, sir? Uh, yeah, I mean, just if, if you guys want to follow the the whole case, I mean, we're, we're going to publish a lot of info on, on, on the forums and, and on our Facebook page. Um, and if we do need anyone's support, uh, we'll probably uh, let, let everyone know through our Facebook page as well. So if, you know, if anyone's interested or, or wants to help out, you know, just let us know. Excellent. And uh, Brendan? I, you know, we, we've said... A lot of this before, but I can't say it strongly enough. I, mean, I, I really think government is supposed to enable the growth of new technology and the creation of jobs, and this sort of just-say-no approach is, is disturbing to me. You know, an analogy to keep in mind is if you, would, if you would shut down the Internet and said, you know, don't use it for commercial purposes until we figure out 
all the things we're going to need to regulate, whether it's security and privacy and, and, and bullying in the schools and all the things that, that have come along since the advent of the Internet to try to figure out in advance what those things are and, and take the, the approach that will just shut it down until we know how to do that, I think is, is not only backwards but un-American. And could you imagine if you, know, if you had done that to the Internet, you wouldn't have Google based in the United States. You would have some other company known as Google overseas basically running uh, the Internet and all of our searches and making millions and millions of dollars and creating jobs somewhere else. And I think that, that's a, that would be a real shame if the, if that, if the story about this technology plays out in a very different way and as it seems to be doing here, uh, it would be uh, really a, an American failure story. I concur with that notion and feel, feel the same way. I, it, 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 it is a tragedy. Um, it's what we do here, and I, and I agree with your analogy. And I will offer this and say that if there's anything that the SUAS News can do, uh, you know, please let us know. We are uh, happy to help. That's what we're here for. Again, I want to thank uh, both of you for coming on today and uh, kind of uh, – giving some insight into what's going to transpire here and some uh, thought behind that. Again, I thank you, and I thank you, Gene, and all of our listeners, and we'll uh, see everyone next week. Thank you. Adios. Thanks. See you. Bye.